0: I would like today to talk about a very important aspect. I would like to talk about the Christian walk. And in this conversation about the Christian walk, I will mainly focus on the prescription that the Lord gave the church when the Lord commanded the church and instructed the church that she must walk the narrow way I would like to talk about walking the narrow way. We know very well that now the Church of Christ and the entire earth globally is sitting on the verge of a major, major visitation from on high. And I think there is no better time in the history of the Church when the church ought to polish her Christian walk, to work her Christian walk, to make her Christian walk a fine walk, to be serious on matters of eternity, to be serious on matters of righteousness, to be serious with the holiness benchmarks of the Lord, there is no better time in the history of the church when the loose ends need to be tightened up in the Christian fraternity, the Christian walk, the Christian salvation, and the tremendous conversation the Lord had with me regarding eternity, that kind of conversation on its own accord, on its own marriage, is a wonder. It is a wonder that the Lord could be engaging the church right now, the Church of Christ, in such a tremendous, direct conversation. I want to talk today about the highway that you heard him talk about. And in that conversation with the Lord, when the Lord speaks with me and sends me to speak to the church, and I begin by speaking from Mombasa, it was during a conference, a Christian conference, a conference of pastors we have in this ministry and believers. And in that conference, you see the Lord coming out very clearly, and the key highlights that are raised in that conversation, the fact that a day arrives, a specific day arrives, a particular day crystallizes, it materializes on the face of the earth, on the face of the universe. And when that day arises, beloved people, Certain events take place on the earth, in the heavens, events that are literally irretrievable, irreversible, events that have eternal consequences, events that actually define the population of heaven and the population of hell, events that go down to the detail to be able to scribe the citizenry of heaven and the citizenry of hell. In other words, the occupants, the inhabitants of the kingdom of God in heaven and the inhabitants of hell, where there will be infierno in Spanish, fire. There will be eternal fire, unquenchable fire, and in its own way and nature, the warmth, that never die where well, there will be perpetual and continuous and eternal rotting of the bodies of those that will inhabit hell and I have been also to hell the Lord has taken me to hell and I've seen hell so that I may come back and preach to you about hell that you may avoid going to hell Jesus preached a large chunk a light portion a light section of his message on hell. Nobody ever preached more about hell than Jesus, the Lord himself. So that he may warn the inhabitants of the earth, so that he may warn humanity to avoid going to hell. And that is the reason the Lord showed me those places, that place, that I may come back and sound a clarion warning sound a serious warning to this generation that please, 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 even as we speak right now, there is still sufficient time for you to make amends, for you to make reforms, for you to make sure that you go into austerity measures within your Christian salvation, that you may be able to austere, to be tighter in the way you walk, to sharpen your walk, to be more adherent to the decrees, the commands, to the requirements of this Christian walk, that you may avoid going to hell and end up going to heaven. That is the whole reason the Lord sent me. That is the entire purpose for which the Messiah died on the cross. That is the reason the Holy Spirit was released unto the earth. That is the reason you became a Christian. For that reason alone, the Bible was written, beloved people. And so today, as I begin this tremendous and golden summon, I call this a golden summon, because this summon bears a tremendous and unapplicable historic treasure towards entry into heaven. So this really will bless the Lord, because then the audience is able to maximize on this and take the instruction that comes from here, execute, implement the instruction, obedience, obey and implement the instruction and then see the glorious kingdom of God. I know that this sermon comes right on the hill in the backdrop, in the backdrop of another one that I gave recently, on laying your foundation right, laying the foundation of your Christian salvation right, laying the foundation of your Christian walk right, by laying it on the foundation of the rock. And we saw very clearly on that sermon I gave, that the Lord speaks very, very clear to the church, and he says there is no other foundation that can be laid other than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord, First Corinthians 3.11. And so after speaking about that tremendous important aspect of Christianity, ensuring that you lay your foundation right, how awesome that now the Lord continues to work, refine, and polish your Christian walk, Christian salvation, by talking about walking the narrow way, being dispensed, being trumpeted in that message at the Mombasa Conference of Pastors and Believers. And so, to kick us off today, beloved people, I want to right away begin to echo some of the things you heard in that sermon, and one of the main things you heard in that sermon comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. And I know that today you are going to have a lot of scripture and a lot of important nuggets to write to help you, navigate you within this wicked world, that regardless of the circumstances of this life, of this world, of this earth, of this realm, You may still be able to go and enjoy eternity with your creator. Remember, nobody else created you. Satan never created anybody. Even the smallest of babies, he never created. Only the Lord of our, the holy God of Israel, my sender, the blessed one of Israel, the cornerstone of Israel, only he alone created you. So how awesome for him to send Christ Jesus the Messiah to die on the cross for you, shed his precious blood, his wonder-working blood, his powerful and mightiest blood, his blood to deliver you, to save you, to give you salvation, beloved people. And then, at the end of it all, you receive the Lord and end up in eternity. How awesome! And that's why this series of teachings are really accumulative accumulative arrangement of building blocks into your Christian salvation into your spiritual life to be able to help you navigate you that no matter the circumstances no matter the wickedness of the day you may end up in the right place for which the Messiah came so to echo some of the words that came out of that major, major visitation of the Lord given in Mombasa about entry, the door to heaven, the church that enters. I want to start right away by reading from the book of Genesis chapter 3, and I'm reading verses 23 all the way to verse 24. And I can start 21 because we are really at liberty to explore the word, to do a scholarship and see what thesis, what is the thesis that Jesus was depositing when he talked about walking the narrow way. What was his thesis when he brought and submitted the doctrine of walking the narrow way, and then he gave it as a required command? So Genesis chapter 3, beloved people, with all the due indulgence to read from verse 21, Genesis chapter 3, he says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them so you see right away the Lord God is clothing them is covering their nudity their nakedness and then verse 22 of Genesis chapter 3 he begins by saying and the Lord God said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life also because he had taken from another tree he had taken from the forbidden tree and so he was saying that must not be allowed to take also because then you will have a confederacy you would have an axis of evil a very complicated axis of evil where evil men that have fallen to sin now takes from the tree of life and lives eternally. That would be a blasphemy unto the benchmarks and standards of God. For example, one of the standards says that there is a book of the Lamb of God. There is a book in heaven, and that book is a register. That book is an enlistment. That book is a ledger that contains the names of the righteous, in essence, the names of the citizens of heaven. So if man would be allowed to extend its hand and also partake of the tree of life. You and I know that whosoever partakes of the tree of life, they live eternally. So that would have defeated the laws of God, the paradigm of God, and the blueprint that he has for Christian salvation. And today I'm going to lay it for you very clearly here what the blueprint that the Lord set up for your salvation, for our salvation. For the salvation of man, of the church, of humanity. I'm going to lay it out in a very important section ahead of me here. But you see very clearly, he says, And the Lord God said, but said too, that the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. That is one of the mysteries, the astounding mysteries of God, because how then does the evil man touch the tree and live forever? Does it mean that evil men touching the tree would live eternally? Does it mean that the tree of life has chamber chamber in Swahili, has some ingredient that when anybody, evil or righteous, eats of it, will live eternally? That is what the Lord is depositing, dear beloved. And verse 23, which is most important for us, he says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to walk the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, Kerubim in Hebrew, Kerubim, Haverim, Kerubim, for many. 2, in other words, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, cherubim, and a flashing sword, flaming, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, I would underline that. The way to the tree of life, which means, in our own understanding, beloved people, thus far the Lord has brought us This far, the Lord has brought us. In bringing us this far, the Lord has given us some understanding. He's given us some little infiltration of His wisdom into the church. And in that wisdom, He has brought it very clear to us that the tree of life, where the tree of life is where essentially God the Father is. And I've always made that very clear to the church. I've preached it to the ends of the church, the ends of the earth, in other words. I've always said that every time the Lord is speaking with me a certain type of conversation that demands bringing me before the presence of God the Father, I have always said the following. I've always said that whenever in a dream I can see the kerubi of glory, the two cherubim of glory, then I always know That look, this is the holiest place because God the Father is here. That I have preached openly in the public place, and all of us have grown. We have come of age on this one now. And now the second thing I have said also before, I have said that where the tree of life is, and I've said it very clearly on several occasions, I've said that he that speaks with you, that the Lord is sending me on this mission, He has hewn, he has grafted and crafted and designed a special relationship between he that speaks with you and the tree of life. There is a very special relationship the Lord has designed between me and the tree of life. such that, for example, this past weekend, the Lord takes me to the throne room, takes me behind the throne room, plucks the leaf of the tree of life, places on my left prophetic hand, and then there is more which I have not revealed. I mentioned a little bit about the branch, places and say these are for the healing of the nation, and then command me to execute his agenda on the earth. And it reminds me about two weeks ago or so, about three weeks now, when the Lord again made me fall asleep and then showed me my hand, glorious and glowing the hand, the thumbs and all that and then by voice he said that this is the will of god on the earth then of course i woke up and understood that to execute the agenda of the lord of the earth so now the tree of life he says that they may not get their way to the tree of life we all now know too well That the tree of life, where the tree of life is, the revelation that the Lord has lavished us with, lavished this generation with, lavished the church, lavished you with, is in such a way that he has now unveiled to you that wherever the tree of life is, there is God the Father himself. And that's why you see the two cherubim of glory are now placed at the east side, to guard the entrance, the entrance, the gate, the door that leads to the tree of life. In other words, that leads where God is. For some of you who sometimes would like to do a scholarship, a pursuit to pursue these things deeper. The questions you may have to ask at this point before we begin this sermon is that, well, now when men fell and the cherubim of glory blocked, the gate, block the gate that leads to the way, to the way, he says, the way to the tree of life. In other words, the way to where God is. In other words, the way to eternity. For how long then did the tree of life remain on the earth after the fall of man, before he took it and placed it at the throne room in heaven, beloved people? So some of you who are interested, this is an area you can pursue. Because later on, you see that there is Abel and there is uh, Cain. Cain and Abel, they prepare their sacrifice later, after the fall, of course. And they bring the sacrifice before the Lord. And one of them, the sacrifice is accepted. Meaning, at that time still, the throne of God, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the cherubim of glory the tree of life, the presence of God was still there. So those are things you can pursue later, beloved people. But what I wanted to talk about is the fact that there is a way that leads to eternity. So When the Lord was speaking to me in January this year and showing me the Christians that have come, that I'm going to focus on today, that have literally come and managed the journey, have become overcomers, and now they're entering, and the Lord puts me about 20 or 30 feet or meters or so from the door to heaven, and I see them walking narrow. They, it was not a mob. It was not a crusade. It was not a large width of people walking one direction. It was a narrow path. It was a path they were walking as they entered in tremendous joy, enlightenment, and happiness, joy unspeakable, as they finally entered the kingdom of their father. And of course, the glorious steps. So this is what I wanted to echo as the first scripture, the first statement of our sermon today. The message, walking the narrow way, walking the narrow road, walking the narrow path, whichever way you would like to put it. And so now we see very clearly that after the fall of man, then now the door that leads to eternity is closed. It is shut, and judgment consumes man, and the wages of sin become death. So death befalls, and there is a certain raft, there is a whole cascade of judgments that are written against man, the toiling of the ground, against the woman, against, uh, you know, death also, it from the sweat and all that. There's a whole raft of the writing of the judgment from the upper chambers of justice within the corridors of justice in the upper chambers of heaven where the king and the judge of righteousness, the righteous judge, the eternal judge, passed sentence, beloved people. So now, when that door was closed owing to sin, then all of a sudden, We now hear Christ the Messiah coming to the scene. And this is the way I want to introduce this tremendous message, our radio message, Walking the Narrow Way. So after the fall that we saw in the book of Genesis chapter 3, and the shutting of the door that leads to eternity, leads to God, then Christ Jesus the Messiah That was promised in Genesis 3.15. Comes into the scene. And when he enters the spiritual landscape. Then he makes the following pronouncement. Beloved people. He makes the pronouncement. In the book of John chapter 14 verse 6. And I am turning with you now beloved people. On chapter 14 verse 6. After the shutting of the gate. The shutting of the way that leads to eternity that we see in the book of Genesis 3, 23 to 24. Then now Christ the Messiah appears and he makes the following submission in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. That is a powerful pronouncement for anyone to stand before the earth and make that pronouncement. Except that you have ultimate authority unto creation, over creation, you cannot. If there is any of those statements in the Bible that really power high, that stand very high and separates, separates out, the Christian faith, the Christian salvation. It is this one here. Because this is one of those statements that crowns everything together, coins it together, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It really defines the Christian religion. And I'm talking about born-again Christians, not the other denominations that do their own thing. I'm talking about the born again salvation of the Holy Spirit. Salvation where you are led to righteousness. This salvation we profess. Born again. He says, and nobody comes to the Father. In other words, nobody enters heaven. In other words, nobody sees eternity of God. In other words, nobody sees the new Jerusalem. Nobody sees the glorious kingdom of God. Except through me. That is a powerful statement that is going to actually be very central in defining for us many aspects of today's topic, walking the narrow way. In other words, he's saying, There is only one way, there is one gate, there is one door that leads to eternity, beloved people. And after he defines that in my preamble today, in my introduction, in my abstract to you, beloved people, as I introduce this message. Wale ambao wanasikiza katika luga ya kiswa hili tafadali, jambo ninaongea kuhusu. Ni kuhusu lile agizo la bwana bwana wetu Yesu Kristo vile alituagiza wakati alikuwa hapa. akatenda senda huduma kali sana. Huduma nyeti sana. Huduma ya kufana sana. Ambao ilifaulu kwa njia kubwa sana milele na milele. Alisema ya kwamba. Alituagiza ya kwamba tembee kwenye njia ambao ni nyembamba wakati tumeokoka ile njia ambayo imesinywa sio njia wazi kubwa ambayo inaleni leni sita unaona ni wazi na malait na nini mambo mengi yanatendeka pale alisema kwa wale wote ambao watamfuata itawalazimu watembee kwenye njia ndogo njia nyembamba hivi ndio wataona wakifanya hivo wataona ufalme wa mbinguni hili tu ndio nimesema kwanza tangu nianze na kasoma katikabu cha mwanzo genesis kuanzia mustari wa 23, tatu hadi 24. nne 21, moja lakini nilikuwa lengo langu lilikuwa kulenga ishirini tatu mpaka 24. nne mwanzo mlango wa tatu mustari wa 23, tatu hadi 24. nne wakati anasema ya kwamba alisema kwamba baada ya kuanguka kwa binadamu kwenye edmbi kwale katika bustani wa edeni Hali sema ya kwamba, wana ilibidi sasa afunge njia. Lile njia lilikuwa linaelekeza. Linafaa kuelekeza bin Adam katika ule mti wa uzima wa milele. The tree of living life, of of life. Na akasema kafunga hapo na makerubi, wakibeba upanga, ambayo ikiwasha moto. Ie manake kuatisha bin Adam kuambia ukige hapa kisa Hilo ndia ambalo bwana aliweka. So beloved people, having uh, helped the Swahili listeners to catch base, those of you tuning from abroad, thank you for your indulgence. Now look at this. Now, I said John chapter 14 verse 6 is so key because in that scripture he brings it out very clearly that there is only one way, and there is only one gate, that leads one door, that leads one eternity with God, to one heaven, beloved people. And then after saying so. In my introduction today, I want to touch base, touch up with the scripture again, echoing what we just heard. The scripture in Matthew chapter 8, beloved people, turn with me to Matthew 8, verses 10 to 12. Those of you tuned in from all over the world, welcome to the broadcast of the Lord. Welcome to Jesus is Lord Radio, the radio station that has endeavored to prepare the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah, how awesome that you can tune in here and you can get the hidden nuggets, you can get the most important message that is lacking in church today and prepare yourself on a personal basis to see the kingdom of glory with your creator, Jehovah, the God of Israel. So the second statement I would like to bring to the fore that really echoes what you heard As an introduction I'm laying today, what you heard in that message, in that tremendous visitation of the Lord, is the book of Matthew chapter 8, and I'm reading from verse 10 on, verse 10 to verse 12. This is what he says. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, and most of them were Jewish who were following him, the Israelites, Again, verse 10, he says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That is amazing because he was literally talking about a Gentile. He was talking about someone that had been brought up in an atheist background, in a pagan religion in Rome, where the king of Rome was kind of a demigod, god some half-god, or some kind of a god figure, and they believed he had some, some divine what, So he was raised in that culture, and this is a brutal man, a soldier, a fighter in those days, a conqueror, an evil man, who was executing the agenda of an evil kingdom within Israel, within that promised land. And so after Jesus engages with somebody that was never brought up in church, he was never brought up in the synagogue the way the Israelites had been brought up, where the parents always held their hands and walked with them right straight into the synagogue. I've lived in Israel for seven years. And during my seven years in Israel, every Shabbat, Shabbat begins Friday evening when the sun sets. Every Shabbat, you see them holding their children, holding their hands, crossing the streets, entering the synagogue. They raise them with the knowledge of the sayings of God. They raise them with the knowledge of the understanding of the decrees of God. They raise them and bring them up in the understanding of the commandment of God. They raise them they bring them up in understanding the nature of God, the God of Israel. So they have all that advantage. They are really advantaged in the way they are brought up. And then Jesus, the Messiah, appears into the scene and begins to say the following thing. As he does the sayings and public ministry, and then there is an astounding situation, a disturbing situation, a shocking moment that befalls. Because now the author of all faith, he that created all faith, and put unto people, deposited in your heart. Now he meets an atheist, a pagan, someone who is supposed to be heedless, does not heed the word of God. Somebody brought up in a kingdom that knoweth not the God of Israel. He meets him vis-a-vis, versus the Israelites. Then there is an engagement with Jesus, and he says, Lord, thou, I am, you say, I am not fit. Thou shouldest. You see, he's not right. I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Just say the word. So he has some understanding that this is the king of the universe. And all the laws of disease, the laws of cold, sunshine, drought, what that govern the universe with all its planets are governed by this king that is right in front of me here. And if you read the book of Luke, he sent some elders to him. He did not even approach him. So now, therefore, in that message you heard, no wonder there is this projecting out, Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. And he says, when Jesus heard this from the centurion, of God, he was amazed and said to those following him. And remember, there are only two occasions in the Bible when Jesus was really amazed. One of them is when he met the faith of the centurion. And the other one, when he met the faithlessness of the Israelites. So he was amazed in these two occasions. What a shocking situation within the scriptures. So he says, verse 10, Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to all following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come. Now you see that. He is launching this based on the inference, on the conclusion, based on the reference of the faith of this Gentile, of this, this centurion. Now he makes the pronouncement in verse 11 based strictly based on the words and the faith of the centurion. He says, I say unto you, that many will come from the East and the West and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. How shocking that Jesus makes such a tremendous pronouncement about the end time revival. So you see very clearly, beloved people, again, the Lord Jesus makes a clear submission here. He submits to the church. He submits to the universe. He submits to humanity and creation. He says unto them, number one, that he is from the kingdom of God. Number two, he says to them that all those that believe in him that will adhere to the faith it brings and bring obedience to that faith, exude it and practice the words that he says, they do the sayings of Jesus, he says, all those who will be obedient to him and have faith, they will go to a kingdom, the kingdom of God in heaven and it's amazing here that Jesus now he apportioned hereditary life right, inheritance, he begins to say that there are those to whom the kingdom of God was first created. The Jews. The Jewish people. The Israelites. He says, they are the ones for whom the then because of the utterances of this Gentile, he said, many will come from as far as the east is to as far as the west is. He said, I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and will take up their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they will enjoy in the kingdom of heaven They will enjoy the wedding feast, the wedding dinner of the Lamb of God. So you see, beloved people, that the reason I bring this Matthew chapter 8, verses 10 to 12, as an introduction, as a preamble for what I'm going to share with you today, is because, number one, it was echoed in that message, in that visitation of the Lord that is our reference, the foundation of what we are doing today, because it stood out very clearly there, But I bring it out now in the context of walking the narrow way. You see very clearly that when the Lord was speaking with me in that tremendous visitation in January, the year 2017, this year, about the entry of the church, they were almost walking like in a single file, for those of you who know what single file is, following a line and entering into the glorious kingdom of heaven, the cloud opening, and they entered, the stairs appeared, the glorious steps appear, and then they enter. But you see very clearly, beloved people, that these people that the Lord shows me, this church, this blessed church, this heavenly church that enters, that the Lord shows me, getting into the kingdom of eternity with God, the kingdom of glorious eternal peace, the everlasting kingdom of the new Jerusalem. These people that enter, they are brought in here in this topic of walking the narrow way. They are brought in because these are the people that were compliant. These are the people that obeyed the instruction of Jesus when the Lord Jesus was doing his public ministry here. And he spoke a decree. And he gave a command. And he deposited a thesis. He deposited this thesis on the doctrine of walking the narrow way. When he commanded the church that follows him to walk the narrow way, these are the people that obey that walk and enter. They walk the narrow way and enter the narrow gate. As we will see very briefly as I read the underlying scripture or reference scripture in Matthew 7, they walk the narrow way, they enter the narrow gate, and enter the narrow door into heaven. And you'll see very clearly that that door is Jesus, the Lord, the blessed Messiah himself, our blessed Redeemer, the one we love so much. And so these people that I saw entering into the eternal, glorious kingdom of Jehovah, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah El Olam, these are the people who had come from the four ends of the earth. They had come as far as the east is and as far as the west is. This is the Gentile church, and of course in there will be the Messianic Jews that have here to the teachings, those that have recently received the Lord, of course, who have come to knowledge and understanding that Christ Jesus is the Messiah they are waiting for. So he's saying, These are the people that have come from the ends of the earth and you can have your understanding, your imaginary understanding or your reality, your real understanding of the east as far as the east is, the ends of the earth, and as far as the west is, the ends of the earth. Why do I say so? Because these are the ones who have walked the narrow way, the narrow road that the Lord prescribed, the narrow path that he prescribed, and he said that those that will walk the narrow road, as we are about to read in the book of Matthew chapter 7, that those that will obey his distinction, his stripes, and his prescription for salvation that he brought, those that will walk narrow way, he said, they will enter life. They will enter the kingdom, in other words, the kingdom of eternal life. And that's why today I am going to measure into very important aspects. What does it really mean to walk the narrow road? What does it mean in this dispensation when the shaking of the heavens has happened and continues to happen, when the roaring and the tossing of the seas has happened and continues to happen, when the shaking of the nation has happened, And continues to happen, beloved people. What does the Lord really mean when he gives a prescription? He defines Christian salvation that enters heaven. And I'll make a distinction here. The Christian salvation that sees eternity of glory with God in heaven as walking the narrow way. And so, in a nutshell, again, borrowing on echoing from the message in Mombasa, you hear him saying that those that were seen in January 2017 in that major prophecy as entering heaven, walking single file, and they go a bit left like this and turn and go right, and then the door opens and they enter the glorious stairs they step on. These are the people that have obeyed the command of the Lord to walk the narrow way, the subject of our discussion this night. And as they do so, then they now see light. So can we now then go to our reference scripture for today, which is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Again, Matthew chapter 7, beloved people, verses 13 and 14. And if you have time in future, you can read verses fifteen all the way to 20. It is still beneficial to you. Beneficial and relevant to this conversation, to this discussion that the Lord has opened up on polishing your salvation and Christian work. So he says the following, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So here he talks about the narrow gate. Again, verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, in other words, leads to hell, and many enter through it. Meaning, as we're going to see shortly, as I open it up to you, meaning it will be popular. The wide road that leads to hell will be popular in this life, in this dispensation, at this time, during these days. And he goes on to say, verse 14, But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, meaning eternal life, and only a few find it. So he raises some very important issues there, beloved people. He says, there is a command he gives. And in my Bible, it is in red, verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. He gives a command so we can separate out the instruction. So the Lord Jesus comes all the way from heaven. He is afflicted unto this earth. He does his mission here, his public ministry on the earth. And then he goes faithfully to the cross, delivers the church. But in that process, he defines that entire ministry is essentially summarized through verse 13, part A. Through the instruction that you see in verse 13, part A. Enter through the narrow gate. That's all. That's all. Because he comes all the way from heaven, He executes his public ministry on the earth. And in the process of doing so, he shows us the way that enters eternity with God. And then in crowning it all, he points the entire humanity and the church, of course, they are in, the church being the center, but I'm talking about the entire humanity that received Jesus. Then he says to them, enter through the narrow gate. And then verse 14 here, he says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Meaning the Lord Jesus now points us. He points the nation. He points the church of Christ to the true definition of what Christian salvation is. And I'm talking about the salvation that the Messiah, the King of Glory, left his kingdom of glory and left his throne and came all the way to be suffered, to be abused, blackmailed and tortured and killed and then resurrected. That entire ministry, The purpose for coming to point the church, those that believe in him, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. So you see, the instruction is, enter through, you just enter through the narrow gate. Don't worry about the wide gate, because anyhow, the caution is, he shall be seductive, it shall be popular, it shall be accessible, it shall be obvious, many will be found there. But for you that follow him, he says, that notwithstanding, you enter through the narrow gate, and then verse 14, then he completes the instruction. He says, "A small is the gate, And narrow the road that leads to eternal life, to life, and only a few find it. Then he says that now the road, the narrow road that leads to eternity, first of all, is incognito. He says, has to be found. In other words, you have to search for it and find it first. And then walk there, enter there. What is the Lord saying? as we begin our important sermon tonight, you can see that there are several instructions here. Number one, enter through the narrow gate, meaning please go and enter through the narrow gate alone. Don't worry about the rest. And then the warning about the white gate. But he goes on now in verse 14, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And in that way, you hear the Messiah saying the following, saying that the narrow way, the narrow gate, and the narrow way are together. That's what you hear the Messiah say. That for you to be able to enter the narrow gate, I can call it the narrow door. You would have to walk the narrow road, the narrow way, the narrow path. And right there, most of you listening, tuned in globally, all over the earth, right there is the point of contradiction and controversy with the present-day church. Right there, you could stop and say, wow, then that means We have made a detour and we have been a long way, the wrong route. Right there is the caution for you to stop and retrace your path back to the narrow road. Because you can see right away from that statement that something has gone wrong. Something is not right in the body of Christ. Because he says that the small gate and the narrow road, narrow way, narrow path, they go together. In other words, he's saying, whatever we are going to define today as being the hallmark and the stripes of the narrow way, the experiences, the Christian worship experience that they will encounter in the narrow way, Whatever it is they encounter there, that is what will lead them to the narrow door, narrow gate for entry, beloved. He says, you cannot separate the experiences of the narrow walk. The narrow walker, the woman, the man that walks the narrow way. You cannot separate the experience of the narrow walker The one that walks the narrow life. The one that walks the narrow way. You cannot separate their worship experience and eternity with God in heaven. How powerful, beloved people. He's saying, in other words, before we begin, and these are things that are simply flowing off my head. And before I begin, I'm itching to start, but there is a big flow going on now. Flowing into my mind into my heart through this and getting to you beloved people he's saying that there is something about the experiences of the narrow walk he's saying that whatever the experiences of the narrow way the narrow road the narrow path the narrow walker the narrow walk the narrow worshiper whatever the experiences I'm going to open up for you. Be it some kind of pains and what and restrictions and constraints and all those things. Whatever the experiences on the narrow path, their reward is there, already spelled out in the Bible. It is everlasting eternity with God. He's saying that the beauty about the gospel of Jesus, the power... And the awesomeness of our Lord Jesus is that He is able to bring remission, He's able to bring comfort before the journey begins. He's saying, again, I repeat here, he saying, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, in other words, eternal life, and only a few people walk there. Whatever the experiences I'm going to open up today as I begin, when I begin. He has already given us here the reward. He says, there is a the reward. It is a conspicuous reward. It's an obvious reward. You says anybody that has rational mind in this life ought to choose this because the reward outweigh the experience. And so, right from the reference scripture, beloved people, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, talking about the narrow way. So when the Lord, I would like to advance this further now. So when the Lord said, when the Lord brought to the attention of the church, when he spoke to the nation and spoke to humanity, and he said unto them that enter through the narrow gate. And down there it says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to eternal life. And only a few walk there. What was the instruction to the present day church? What was the instruction to the church? That is where the whole conversation tonight is going to center. I am going to make this the epicenter center of our conversation, that anything and everything we say, however far deep and wide, it has to gravitate around this comment, this instruction, where it says, enter through the narrow gate. And then it says, for small is the gate, and narrow the path, narrow the way that leads to eternity, beloved people. Find it and walk there. So what does the Lord mean, beloved people? What is the meaning of walking the narrow way? Just in a nutshell, in a summary here, beloved people, the Lord is saying that walking that narrow way means the following. It means executing proper Christian conduct. The Lord was essentially summoning the attention of the church. And today he's rekindling that attention in the hearts and minds of the Christian believers globally, And he's telling them that proper Christian conduct, in other words, proper Christian behavior, in other words, he was, essentially number two, talking about decent, decent Christian conduct that walking the narrow path essentially translates, transduces, it is eventually uncoded to mean on the ground proper and decent Christian decency, Christian conduct. He also meant that when one walks there, the way we have seen leads to life. He says, it would lead to blessedness. And we know too well that there is no greater meaning for blessedness and redefinition that suits this hour than eternity. In other words, he was saying that when the church would walk, and you see here the Lord is addressing church, that when the church would walk the narrow way, the narrow path, the narrow road, the narrow lifestyle, the church would reach life, would find life, would find eternity. In other words, would find heaven. In other words, would find God Almighty, Jehovah Elohim. Would find New Jerusalem. Would find the streets of glory, streets of gold and the New Jerusalem. The eternal worship, eternal peace, eternal blessedness, eternal celebration, The way he puts it in Matthew 25, that the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet, meaning an eternal celebration of worship every day. How awesome, how beautiful, how powerful it will be. How mighty, beloved people. Eternal bliss, eternal joy, meaning the agonies and the pain and the melancholies and the sadness, the depressions and oppression of this world will be essentially over, out of the question. He says that is the road that leads to heaven, walking the narrow way. We are now beginning to define stepwise the meaning, what the Lord meant. And I say that was my center today.